Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored by Stephen, Renee, and Serena Zizo, dedicating loving memory of their grandmother, Janet Jamila Bat Esther. As well, sponsored by Mark Ajmi as a Seudat Hoda'ah, dedicated in honor of the Hilulah of the Ben Ishchai, Lilunishmat Cham Yosef Chaim Ben Chacham Eliyahu, Alav Shalom, sponsored by the Ini family. Uh, as well, dedicated in memory of the Ben Ishchai, Lilunishmat Chacham Yosef Chaim Ben Chacham Eliyahu, on the occasion of his Hilulah, sponsored by Daniel Ohev Shalom. In loving memory of Mrs. Lily Safra, Leah Shalom, Lilunishmat Leah Badova Goen Vechana, whose philanthropy has reached so many throughout the entire world. And finally, the week of Kobu, sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to go today and every day. My friends, I want to point something here out that I think is, uh, is very beautiful. The Pasuk tells us, Ki teshe b'ri'acha mas'at mi'uma lo tavo el beto la'avot avoto. The Pasuk is telling us, that there's a scenario where a person is lending someone who needs to borrow money, he's lending them money. So what's the, uh, the collateral that he's gonna give him? He's gonna take collateral something, something from the person that he has that's of value to ensure that the money comes back uh, at the end of the, of the borrowing period. Says the Pasuk, if you're gonna claim a debt of any amount from your fellow, you shall not enter his home to take security for it. Rather, what do you do instead? Bachutz ta'amod, you stand outside, right? Ya'ish asher nushebo, and the person who owes you this money, what will he do? Yotzi Let him take the security and bring it to you outside. Now to me, this sounds like a funny mitzvah in the Torah. You know, the guy, is, he has to bring you some collateral for the debt that he owes you. He's got to bring you a you know, an object from his house. He's got to bring you his, uh, his stereo. He's got to bring you a pillow, something from inside of his house. The Torah has to come and tell you, don't go inside to get it. Stand outside. Inside, outside, who cares? If you're going to tell me that I can't take it, I understand. Don't take it. But you're telling me I'm allowed to take it. I'm allowed to take this collateral for the loan, but it makes a difference if I'm standing inside or outside. What's the nafkamina? What difference does it make? My friends, I think there's something here which uh, uh, is, uh, is being communicated to us in a very powerful way. And what is that? That is that a lot of times the actions that we do, we have to do. We have no choice but to do that action. There's no other way other than to live with this action. But the same action that you do can be done in different ways. In one of the ways, you'll accomplish something uh, beautiful, and in one of the ways, you'll do something that's terrible. In either scenario, this poor person is giving you collateral for his debt. And it's important that he gives you collateral for the debt. And let me, let me share why. There's an expression in the Gemara called, Shelotin'al delet lifne' lovin, that the door should not close in front of those that borrow money. What does that mean? Let me give you an example. The Gemara tells us that there was a, a man, his name was Hillel. And Hillel, mitaken olam, he fixed up the world, bipruzbul, with a document, a contract, that a person makes when they lend money. What's the backstory? What's going on here? We know that when a person comes to the seventh year in the seven year cycle, Shemitah, we know that the halakha is 
that they, uh, that they cannot go out to their field, take care of their field, grow their crops, etc., etc. Rather, they need to take their hands, pick their hands up, put them in the air, and say the land belongs to God. I can't farm, I can't plow, I can't winnow, I can't do any of these farming things I would normally do. I got to pick up my hands, I got to do nothing. Okay? Everyone understands that. That's called Shemitat Karkaot. But there's something else called Shemitat Ksafim. That means if I lend this guy money, and then the year of Shemitah comes, the money that I owe, that he owes me, if the Shemitah is over, he doesn't owe you the money. You heard that? If I lend you money, Shemitah, the year of Shemitah, what does it do? It takes off the obligation that you have to pay me any money. Okay, did you know that? People don't know this. Now, what happened? What happened? Let's say it's year six. You desperately need money to send your kids to school, to fix your house, to buy a car, whatever you need it for, to start a business. No one's lending you money. No one. Why? Because in one year's time, or six months' time, whenever Shemitah comes, I'm done. Right? Now, when Shemitah takes, off the, takes it off, I'm not going to get into it. Does it have to be in the beginning of the year that you have the prusbul, the end of the year? Uh, the halakhot are not, not for now. But I want you to understand, there's an idea called Shemitah Ksafim. That money in the seventh year, the obligation to pay it falls off. So what happened naturally? People thought to themselves, now the Torah addresses this. The Torah says, don't, don't be upset, don't be afraid, don't, don't stop lending money, you know, etc. You open your hand, be generous. But human nature is human nature. So people stop lending money. Now, if people are not lending money, the whole economy can grind to a halt. The biggest businesses in the world, when they were started, borrowed money. The richest people in the world, very few people buy a house on cash. By the way, even if they have the cash, they take a mortgage. So lending money makes the world go round. What happened in the 60th? They stopped giving money. So Hillel, what did he do? He made a takana called a prusbul. What's a prusbul? You sign a document that says, before Shemitat Ksafin comes in, I take my debt and I give over my debt to Bet Din. Bet Din is the collector of my debt, not me. And since it's not a personal entity that's collecting the debt, the money is not, uh, does not get forgiven by Shemitah, Therefore, you're still obligated to pay it. Therefore, people would lend money even five minutes before Shemitah. Why not? There's a way to get the money back. Let me lend this poor guy the money. My friends, I want to illustrate this concept, okay? Here we have a scenario where you're lending someone money. If you don't have a prusbul, no one can borrow money. The Torah understands that if you cannot collect collateral for your debt... Who's going to lend you money? The bank is not giving you a mortgage unless there's something that they have, a value that they could collect, because what happens if you don't pay? The Torah does not close its eyes to the possibility that no one will lend money unless there's a collateral. The Torah is not going to tell you don't collect collateral. But the Torah will tell you, don't walk into the guy's house. Don't let his wife and kids see the, what do they call them when the guy comes to a, the bailiff? Don't let the Torah see that you walked in and you took away his couch. Don't let his wife, his children realize 
how bad the situation is. Knock on the door, ask to speak to the fellow, ask him to bring it outside. Tr- strive to protect this person's dignity. My friends, we mentioned this morning in the halakha that a person has an obligation to give rebuke. But just because you have an obligation to give rebuke doesn't mean that you have an obligation to give rebuke in a way where the person's going to be humiliated. Recognize that there's many different ways to do the same action. And when God looks at our actions, He doesn't only look at what we did, He looks at how we did what we did. And oftentimes, the difference and the challenge of our life is not going to be in the things that we do, but it is going to be in the way that we do the things that we do. And let me illustrate this concept. I want to illustrate this point with a beautiful mashab. Is a fellow who goes to visit Barmanan, a, uh, a mental health institution. Anyway, he goes in and he notices that the patients in this mental health institution, some of them are wearing a green uniform, some of them are wearing a yellow uniform, some of them are wearing a red uniform. Anyway, he says to the man who's taking him around, he goes, look, I already understand that red, yellow, and green are levels. That the guys who are wearing the green uniform, they're not that bad, like a green light. The yellow light guy, already he's a little bit more serious situation. It's more serious mental health issues, okay? The guy in the red, last stop, okay? This, that's the most serious mental health issue. He says, but I don't understand. How do you decide... How do you decide which, you know, one, which category the person belongs in? How bad their mental health issue is? Anyway, the guy says, look, we have obviously extensive tests. He says, but we've discovered a very quick way of streamlining the process. So until we take the more serious tests, we can figure out what to do with them straight away. He says, what do you do? He says, we bring them into a room. And we fill a bathtub with water. And we put on the bathtub ledge a fork, a spoon, and a cup. And then we tell them to empty the bathtub water. (laughs) So the guy says, let me guess. If the guy empties it with a cup, that's green. The guy empties it with a spoon, that's yellow. Guy's emptying the water with a fork, that's already red. The fellow who runs the mental health institution says to them, he goes, you know, you're actually incorrect. He goes, the guy who uses the cup, right, that guy, you know, he's already, that guy is already someone who's seriously unhealthy. He said, really, why? He said, because a normal person, if you ask him to empty the bathwater, just opens up the drain. The fact that they're using the cup already tells me that there's something a little bit, right? That the guy doesn't understand that this is how a bathtub is emptied. I remember reading the story and thinking, Shema Israel, I would be wearing a green uniform. Because that's what I would think. If someone gives me those three options, I would have thought that the drain's off the table. But I saw in this mashal something very powerful. You know, a lot of times, we're faced with different opportunities and different ways to deal with the situation. And it might be that in this situation, you might need to stop doing business with someone. That might be the case. It might be the case 
that you need to uh, tell people not to shop in a certain store. Might be the case. It might be the case that you have an obligation to interfere in someone's marriage, to get someone involved because the wife, the husband, someone, something's happening. But how you do it makes all the difference in the world. And oftentimes, the easiest way is overlooked, my friends. Now, what causes a person to be able to do the actions they do in the right way versus the wrong way? And I need to share this with you because I think this is amazing. Following this story over here about uh, this mitzvah, a few pesukim later, the, pes- the pasuk describes something very interesting. It says, Lo tate mishpat ger yatom, velo tahbol beged almana. Be careful. Don't mess with the judgment of an orphan. Be careful, right? Don't ruin, don't take the garment of a widow as a pledge. A lot of times, we're focused on the mission and not on the person. So as an example, a person might look at their child and think to themselves, this is my desired result. So how do I get to my desired result? And they're thinking, do I use the cup? Do I use the fork? Do I use the spoon? Right? Meanwhile, the easiest way is not to be involved at all in drawing the water out, but to open up something, the impediment for the water to drain by itself. You have a child that's angry. You know, the child is yelling, the child is upset. Many parents, what do they do? They go to the child, they're like, what's with this face all day? I have to look at someone who's angry. It's ridiculous that you're coming home every day. I feel like I can't even be normal in my own house. You're yelling at a person who's angry. And what's your aim? To stop the anger. That's a guy who's not realizing that actually a much smarter way is to figure out how to let the anger drain without being involved at all. And that's the huge difference. You're sticking your hands in the water, you're getting your hands wet. You're pushing the button, the drain empties the water by itself. Oftentimes, what we're being asked to do is not to walk into the house at all. Figure out how to get the pledge that you need, the collateral you need, and you stood outside the whole time. You see, the difference is, did you take it or did they give it to you? Allowing someone to give you an apology, allowing someone to pay you back, allowing someone to have that dignity is all the difference in the world. Now, to you, it might not make a difference because in any scenario, the result that I got, I wanted at the end, I got my result. But what was the cost? Did you get your hands dirty in the process? How much resentment did you build up in this person? Did you notice the person at all? The Pasuk is telling us that if you focused on the collateral, you might not have noticed that the person you took the collateral from is a widow, is a convert, is an orphan. And if you didn't notice that, then God's challenge and testament, test of you, excuse me, was not to not take it. What am I supposed to do? Not collect my debt? No, the Torah doesn't want that. Because if you don't collect your debts, you're not going to lend again. We want you to collect your debt. No one is asking you to forgive the money. 
But we want you to understand that there are many ways, there are many ways to go get that money. My friends, I want to end, I want to end with this. You know, the month of Elul carries within it a time where a person is, over, is looking over their actions. And many times, the focus in when we look over our actions is on the thing that we did wrong. But what an interesting thing to start thinking about the things that we did right in the wrong way. What an area of opportunity for teshuvah and for self-reflection. I'll give you an example. Simple example. You want to get up for silichot. So what do you do? You think you're going to oversleep, you're going to come late. So you set nine alarms and you wake up your wife and all your kids who are not coming to silichot, who are now really angry at you and also, by the way, slightly angry at God. <laughs> I would wager that for that person it was probably better he didn't come to silichot. He did the right thing the wrong way. He, what did he do? He went into the house, he grabbed something, forced something, and walked out. It's a very different ball game. You know, these things are very different ball games. When you're thinking properly about doing things in the right way as opposed to doing just, as opposed to thinking only of doing the right thing. Now the flip side, Rabotai, is also true. What happens if a person, unfortunately, they're doing the wrong thing? And they're not strong enough to stop doing the wrong thing. Our rabbis teach us that there are better and worse ways to do the wrong thing. Let me give you an example of this because I think that this is a, a powerful one. Let's say as an example, a person uh, is, gonna, is acting in an inappropriate way. Okay? They are, uh, they're very rude. They're yelling, they're screaming, they're angry. Now, the guy is wearing his big kippah, and he's wearing his tzitzit out, and he has his peot that he's twirling on his finger, right? The same avera that he did, if nobody knew who was doing that, is magnified a hundred times if that person makes the chilul Hashem as well. So I'm going to give you an example. I, again, I want to make this clear. Don't, don't take this the wrong way. A guy, does, he, he can't not eat a pig sandwich. What the case is, figure it out. The guy, he has to eat a pig sandwich, okay? If he walks into the pig sandwich store, right? New name for his store. The pig sandwich store, right? And he has his peor, and he has his kippah, and he has his tzitzi. The avon that he did is enormous. You got to eat the pig sandwich? Order it on Uber Eats. It's probably going to be in the kosher section, right? But order it... Order it on Uber Eats. Let it come to us. No one has to see that. There are times, my friends, where we could do the right thing in the wrong way and we have to make sure that we did the right thing in the right way. And there are times when, better than that, we can't, we try. We can't stop ourselves from doing the wrong thing. But there's a right way even to do the wrong thing. And there's a wrong way to do the wrong thing. What God asks of us is to make the steps that we can to improve ourselves. And real and healthy growth happens 
in the smallest steps possible. The Pasuk says, Don't go up on stairs to my Mizbech, to the altar. The altar is a place of Korbanot. Korban stands for coming close to God. God says, don't take steps to come close to me. And one beautiful explanation of that is, because the nature of steps is that there's a fixed amount of height of each stair, correct? Each stair is 10 inches, 20 inches, how big the stair is. That means that there's an arbitrary height to how big the stair is. But instead, a benchmark. Instead, what do we have to get up to the Mizbeach? We have a ramp. When you're walking up a ramp as opposed to climbing stairs, however big of a step you want to take, Fadal, it's good. If you try and take a 5-inch step up when there's a 10-inch step, there's no possibility. You can't. There's no 5-inch option. God says, in coming close to me, there's only ramps, there's no stairs. Because it doesn't, it doesn't break down in pieces. Your growth might not be that you could stop doing that inappropriate, wrong behavior on day one. So you know what? Figure out how to just take an edge off, a piece off of that. Figure out how to go up five inches. You know what? You're already doing the right thing. God is only asking of you that you do the right thing in the right way. He doesn't want you to do more. I had recently a phone call from someone. She said, I'm trying my best. I'm doing everything I possibly can. What more can I do? And I said, sometimes God doesn't want you to do more. He wants you to do what you are doing better. Because you know what? There's a capacity that every person has at the level that they are holding. What we're learning from these Pesukim is to look uh, with a little bit different eyes at our journey. You know, you look with your eyes at your journey, what do you see? You see your footsteps. Imagine you looked with a microscope at that same journey. You know what it would look like? You would look like you were some sort of giant taking enormous, you know, thundering steps on the ground. Some people look at growth of others with a microscope. And some people look at the growth of others with a telescope. And it looks like the person's not moving at all. You understand? This is the challenge that we have over here. Are we noticing uh, how many little nuances there are in human behavior? And how the tiniest action giving someone a, a, a dollar of tzedakah without a smile, or giving them a dollar of tzedakah with a smile. Different ball game. Different world. You said to the guy, had you here, take a dollar. What'd you get? You got the sakhar for a dollar, and in Shamayim they're going to judge you for making the ani feel bad. You gave the guy a dollar, and you say, look, I hope you collect a lot of money. You gave him berachah, the Gemara says, you get seven berachot for the dollar, and 11 berachot for the word of encouragement. God does not see our actions in the same way that we do. Every nuance is different. You're smiling. Are you smiling with your teeth? Or are you smiling also with your eyes? Huge difference. Sometimes it's not about doing more. It's doing what we're doing in a little bit of a better way. Baruch Adonai Olam. Amen.